Welcome to the Chicago Business Review, where we introduce you to some of the most successful and sharpest minds from my hometown, Chicago, so that you can find out the secrets that have helped these professionals achieve massive success. If you want to accelerate your growth in your personal and professional life so that you can do more, have more, give more, and ultimately live the life you've always desired, then sit back and stay tuned in because you are in the right place. I'm your host, Young Lee, and you are listening to the Chicago Business Review. friends, and welcome to another episode of the Chicago Business Review. My name is Young Lee, and I am your host, as always, and I am so excited to bring on this week's guest. He is a holistic physician, a nationally published author, and the VP of Business Development for iMac Holdings, a publicly traded company. He is also an amazing and avid tennis player and a father of four children, just like myself. You guys are in for quite a treat this week, so make sure that you are ready to take down a ton of notes. Please help me in welcoming in this week's guest, Dr. Jason Huey. Hey, Doc, how's it going? Good to see you. Excellent. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. I am so excited about this call. Some of you may know, but most of you do not. Me and Dr. Huey have a good relationship. We've known each other for a long time. And when I started this show, I knew that I wanted to have him on as one of the guests because not only is he an amazing father and husband and a doctor, but he is so business savvy. And we're going to go into all of that experience that he has accumulated over the years and then talk about his newest transition. But Jason, please, could you give us a little bit of update on what you're doing now? Well, uh, I was the former CEO of uh, a few different companies in healthcare, including a marketing company, and I, I actually sold about two years ago. And so I sort of stepped down from my CEO role to take on a VP position at a publicly listed company that merged and acquired us as well. And uh, part of the reason I did that was to get a sort of a better balance between work and family life. It's important to me, you know, at some point in my life, you know, I'm going to pivot a little bit and this is just a different season of my life. So, you know, working for a a publicly listed company is is quite different than, you know, than yourself because you have to answer a lot to the Wall Street analysts per se, right? And you have to show well, you're sort of under a microscope as well, you know? And so it, it is very different. And I love it right now because it challenges me every day, a different type of challenge and stress that I had uh, when I was a CEO myself. Yeah, no. And that's why I'm so excited to have you on is because you've gone both routes. You've done it yourself. You were an entrepreneur, not only being a doctor, but running successful practices and healthcare centers. And then now you've been able to partner, go the corporate route, go with a publicly traded company and really help them grow that business model. And because you have that extensive 
knowledge, not only in the healthcare part of it, but with marketing and managing and growing a business. That's why we're so excited to have you on. So just to give our listeners like a little bit of background, how did you get into holistic medicine to start out? Well, years ago, you know, I always believe that if given the right, we'll say treatment, anything can heal. You know, obviously, uh, I was a young guy back then, you know, 20, 30 years ago. And so when I, you know, I played a lot of sports growing up, when I got injured, you know, the, you or your family physician, they said, take a pill. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, but at the same time, sometimes I'd like to find out, hey, is there a better way so that I can help get it to heal and prevent it from coming back? Right. And so I, I, I'm drawn more towards a proactive, preventative approach to medicine is why I went into, you know, what I went into. And I, I believe that because of that, it has driven me all the you know, 24, 25 years in practice to develop a model to, you know, satisfy that, right? So there's an integrated multidisciplinary approach, you know, putting together, you know, physicians and physical therapists and chiropractors and acupuncturists working all together versus, you know, fragmented approach. So, and it it drives me because I, I see the results, you know, patients trying to avoid surgery, trying to avoid opioids, And it's changing people's lives, which encourages me to keep on going. And part of this, even though I, you know, I switch gears into, you know, IMAC here, but what they stand for is what I believe in. I didn't move from what I did before and deviate too much because then I would sort of lose myself philosophically. And that's not never fulfilling. And you can't buy that with money, right? At the end of the day. Yeah, no. And uh, that was very insightful. So um, first thing is you had a passion or a vision because of life experiences. And that passion was to not necessarily treat things with medicine or just treat that one instance, but like continually dig deeper and try and figure out maybe what the root of the issue is or how we can prevent it in the future. But then going along those lines of then following that passion. And then you also said like then was it common for different physicians to like partner up like that? Or when you were getting started, like having chiropractors and acupuncturists and different physicians all working together or was it segmented a little bit more when you got started? You know, um, so it wasn't easy putting this together, this model, because, you, you know, adding medical physicians to our group who do not like to prescribe the opioids and medications. And I'm not personally against medications. I think there's a time and place for it, of course. Right. But I'm saying for, you know, we're in the pain space. Right. And so, you know, to find physicians, medical physicians or osteopathic physicians that, hey, have the same philosophy, same drive, stay in the same lane where, you know what, I want to, you know, try to quote unquote, fix the problem versus, well, take this painkiller, you know, I'll see you in a few weeks if it, it doesn't take care of it and I'll give you more if you want to. There's nothing wrong with that approach. It's just not my philosophy. Our philosophy is well, let's take a look. Okay, it's it's a tear, it's what have you. Let's try to fix it. 
what can we do? And if we can't fix it, we'll refer out, of course, right? But, you know, I believe, also believe in uh, objective results as well, right? Before and after, you know, if, if someone has torn their knee meniscus and I help them get out of pain by giving them something to take or doing even some sort of therapy and I redo the MRI and it's still torn, what have I done? I just helped with the inflammation and pain, but I didn't really fix it, right? And so mm. if we if we can get closer to trying to fix it, then then I'm telling you that it's a better long-term solution, right? And that's what we're trying to develop. And that's what IMAC is actually trying to develop. In fact, we do clinical trials with the FDA and and helping using you know cellular medicine and Parkinson's disease. And, and so we're we're trying to change the face of medicine, but it, it's and this is a political statement, it definitely goes against the grain, right? It goes against the grain because all these chronic conditions, all these conditions, it's been, well, you sort of have to live with it or, you you know, we'll do what you can. But, you know, when you're in pain, come back to see us. And, and so we're trying to change that. And it does go against the grain a little bit, for sure. No, I would imagine, especially with the amount of money that is in pharmaceuticals and other industries to kind of go maybe against the grain a little bit would be difficult from what is normally accepted practice. But again, you have this passion and that's what's driving you. And that's what then brought you together with IMAC. I know you had a practice before and now it's called the uh, Mike Ditka IMAC Regeneration Center. Tell us a little bit about that and uh, how you guys decided to partner with maybe like brand ambassadors like Mike Ditka and some of the other people. Yeah, so nationwide, we have a few brand ambassadors for, we'll say, different states and we'll call them different markets. You know, we have the Aussie Smith centers in Missouri. And, you know, for those of you who follow baseball or maybe not even follow baseball, a lot of people know who Aussie Smith is. You know, he was arguably the, the best shortstop that ever lived, right? Um, yeah. And then you've got David Price, the pitcher in, you know, in the Tennessee market and what have you. So, you know, our brand ambassadors support what we do. Many of them, you know, have sent friends and family and have received personal treatments without getting to more details on their own body parts. And that's why they go, wow, it, you know, and most of these guys have, you know, we'll just say they, they have a, a pretty big piggy bank. Right. And so they don't uh-huh. need, necessarily need to do this, but they also what drives them is results as well, right? Uh, most of these guys, you know, they, in the past, when they were on the team, they had the, probably the what, top orthopedic surgeons and surrounded themselves with uh, a network of treating physicians that help them with their injuries. But what we do is actually something very different. And when they saw, wow, I actually can get healing instead of uh, surgery or steroids, right? Uh, it gives them hope, all right? Um, you know, this conversation is about why steroids are bad or medicine's bad or surgery's bad. It's, it's just, this is our philosophy. We try to, we want to fix it as best we can, whatever the body allows us to fix, right? And so why we chose these brand ambassadors because they support what we do, right? And, uh, you know, and I'll, I'll switch gears a little bit from a business perspective. Let's say it's the, the Young Lee Center can go a long way, but <laughs> Mike did could probably go a little bit longer only because... They, it's branded, right? Yeah. Just like that, that, you know, Brett Favre, you know, is to the copper sleeve, right? Whether you use it uh-huh. or not, his infomercials are everywhere for a long time. So so we brand behind 
brand ambassadors because it's easier for marketing just to get on the business side a little bit. It's just name recognition, we call it. For sure. And uh, that's why I was so excited to have you on the show is because not only are you an amazing physician and you have this passion for healing and curing people and not just that one instance, but like we were saying, believing in this philosophy, but you're also an amazing entrepreneur and business owner. And so we always say like, you could be the best at whatever you do, whether it's a physician or a realtor or an accountant, but if you don't know how to run a business, if you don't know how to market yourself, it doesn't matter because you could be the best person that no one knows and you have no impact in the world. And that's what's been so impressive about just watching your journey. And luckily, because we're friends, I've been able to watch it closer than others, is seeing how just savvy you are at running a business as well as being a physician. And so that marketing aspect of it and just partnering up with better name brand recognition to kind of catapult and give you that uh, credibility right off the bat, I felt like was just such a great move. Why did you decide to become an entrepreneur versus go the corporate route right from the get-go? So I'll tell you, you know, I'll try to keep the story short because uh, it'll probably take a few hours to go through this. But so I'm actually originally from Canada. Don't hold me against that against me. But uh, <laughs> woohoo, eh? Anyways, um, so I'm from Canada. And so when I came here, I graduated school. I went to grad school here and I graduated and I, I worked for someone because I needed a green card, right? It's one of those green card stories where I need a green card, work for someone and sort of without going to names, you know, you learn, you learn from, you know, your past. And this is one of the things where I had to do everything, right? They made me uh, a partner within six months. And then they sort of handed me the practice. They would take vacations. They would do this. They would travel. And, and I did everything. So it was sort of like an owner, but not on paper, right? And so I ran everything. And, and I realized, I go, I could really do this on my own. I'm doing it right now, right? And so after I got my green card, I started my own, right? And I said, you know, and... There were some struggles at the beginning because, you know, you're walking to some things where you're not sure of. But, you know, what drove me was the type of medicine that we provide or therapies that we provide is in high demand, actually. If I ask most people, most, uh, would you rather have a solution without uh, a dependency on medications or surgery? They'd probably say, well, what do you got? Right. And so we offer solutions without dependency on pain medications and surgery is the business model, right? Mm -hmm. Then the philosophy is, what are you going to do to help them get there, right? And then we had objective, we'll call it measures to see before and after. Obviously, there's some subjective where I feel better, I can play ball again, I can do this, I can run again, I can pick up and play with my kids. Those are very subjective, but did you really change the body, right? And mm -hmm. so I opened my first one. We added physical therapy first, then we added a medical physician, and we I grew from one site to two sites to three sites to four sites. And then I, at the beginning, I actually had a partner. And, uh, you know, some people say that partnerships are always bad. That's not always true. But 
you know, at the end of the day, our partnership lasted about a year and a half. And then I actually bought him out. We're still friends to this day, but I bought him out mutually. He came up with the offer um, and I told him, sure, I didn't invite him on it. Um, at the end of the day, it was enough for him to open his own practice. And uh, we were just on a slightly different wavelengths. It wasn't about money that we fought or anything like that or disputes or anything like that. It wasn't philosophy either. It was, you know, our drive. I wanted multiple sites. I wanted to maybe even franchise the model. He wanted sort of a mom and pop kind of medical center. So we went our own ways, became friends still. He's happy. I gave him enough money in terms of his portion to open up his center. And I just kept on, we'll say, expanding and growing into the future. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's an amazing story. So now, again, it's so important to have that plan and to execute on the plan. Now, I'm assuming that it was a little difficult in the beginning. What motivated you to keep going? Yeah, so, you know, I've been blessed at the beginning because the, the practice that I I was the director of, we'll call it, right? That made me a smarter business guy because I ran it. It was like an hour away. And when I started this clinic and, um, you know, not to get technical, I didn't solicit anyone, but they, um, many patients followed me and that's called free will, right? They they can, they can choose whatever they want. They somehow found out where I, where I uh, started the practice and a lot of them moved over to, to stay under uh, our care uh, at our new site. And so that obviously helps you from a business standpoint, because at the end of the day, you know, you could have the the best practice, the best practitioners, the best treatments in the world, but if there's no one inside, you can't keep the lights on, right? And so it helped escalate the business pretty quick. And part of being a business owner and entrepreneur, and I think in any industry is, is you have to be somewhat good at marketing. You can say word of mouth, but to me, that's the best form of marketing, but it's also one of the slowest forms of marketing. You know, to grow, you need to look at multiple avenues. And one, a mentor of mine years and years ago, he gave me the rule of five. He goes, in marketing, you need five different avenues. And so I had five different avenues to boost the, the business part, which are patients coming in. If you own a restaurant, Well, uh, word of mouth is just one, maybe print advertising is two, but you you need five. And so that's the rule I went by and that's what I live and die by today, the rule of five, right? And so I built the business around that plan because if you have a good product, you can help people and people are happy, right? Then you can continue the business model by enhancing what you have already in place, right? And so it kept me going because the drive was, I was getting great results. The patients were happy. They were referring. I always tell everyone who works for me, who worked for me in the past, if no one is referring to you, and and don't take this the wrong way, any listeners here, if no one is referring to you, it's a reflection of the work you're doing. If If I go to a restaurant, if I like a movie, if I like a, you know, this pair of shoes, I'll tell the world, you mm-hmm. should try this. You need a dentist. Someone mentions dentistry. You should try my dentist. So if no one's referring to me, that means I'm not doing a good job. 
I am very humbled because that means that I, for whatever reason, maybe it's my personality, blah, blah, blah. So when people were referring, that means we're doing a good job. And that means typically comes down to customer service and satisfaction, right? And so marketing is one thing, coming in, doing this, getting treatments with poor results, okay? One, they can still refer to you mm-hmm. because you did a good job. But two, if it's more like a, a mill type, it's about numbers, it's about that, they can see it, they can feel it. They won't refer to you just because they think you're trying to have them come in just because of money. And are you doing necessary services for them? We've never done that. And so we die and die by that principle and it's grown for us. We may not make as much money as a lot of clinics out there, but um, our track record has been pretty consistent for us. Oh my gosh. There was so many amazing nuggets in there. So I just wanted to touch on a couple of them. First, from before, there are some people that are going to be listening that are just starting out or maybe they're working a job that they don't necessarily love. But what you said was, you know what, even though I was in that situation when I was starting out, I did the best that I could. I, you know, you didn't complain about it. You just tried to learn the business as quickly as possible. You grew it as much as possible. And even if you feel like you're in a situation that is not ideal, as long as you're consistently putting in your best effort, things tend to work out for you in the long run. So don't get discouraged because you are in this one season of your life where things might be difficult. It's the compound effect of effort over time. And people always overestimate what they can get done in one year and they underestimate what they can get done in five years. So make sure that you're staying consistent, that you're working hard, and that even if you're in a position that might not be ideal or your favorite, that you're giving it your all all the time. The two other things that I took away there was the rule of five. People, you better write that down because that was just free business advice that you got. Like if you have just one way of attracting clients or business, you're going to have a tough time surviving, let alone grow. But having those different avenues at which you can attract business is going to be crucial because there are going to be times when referrals slow down or marketing might change from print to online or things like that. And so having that diversity to continually grow your business was such great insight by you. And the last thing that you said, which I'm going to be a little bit firmer on, is you should be offended if people are not referring you business because that really is a reflection on you. One of the first things that I learned that was so freeing and also very helpful in me growing was you have to take 100% responsibility for what's going on in your business, in your relationships, just in all aspects of life, you can have a string of bad luck or a season of bad luck. But at the same time, if you're doing the rule of five, where you're trying to bring in business in different avenues, and like you were saying, you're providing that good service where you have the client interest first and foremost, 
they will refer you. It is human nature to want to share whatever you have that you think is the best with other people around you. So really having that self-awareness and analyzing and don't be offended, just realize it and then see what changes you might need to make. So incredible insight there. And so thanks for that. What would you say is one of the most important things to focus on if you're trying to grow a business? And I know we talked, it could be what you just said right now, but what are some other things that you focus on in terms of growing business? Because your role right now is business development with IMAX. Yeah. So, you know, I think in my opinion, everything starts with marketing first, right? You know, we learned that very quickly, even during this COVID, you know, season where people had to pivot and figure it out, right? You know, people who didn't have an online presence, social media, they, they, they suffered, right? And so you got to figure it out. And so the first thing is, I think marketing is number one, okay? And then two, you have established, even how big or small your place is, you, I always believe in like a little bit of an organization board, Right where you have different departments working on, even if it's like a two-man company, right? Yeah. Divvy up what you're going to do, right? Stay in your lane a little bit and, you know, someone watch the money, someone do this and, and what have you. And then once you figure all that out, at the very end, you got to take a look at what we call, and you've heard this through the industry, what we call a return of investment. Is the uh, time, yeah. is the time spent the money spent, are you getting a return, right? Uh, any business who's in business for themselves, you want a return. You could, you want to play the stock market, you, you need a return. You're not, you don't want to donate money, right? And I've yeah. done you know, a lot of pro bono services to friends and family and, and, and other you know, fellow uh, church members, what have you. And, and sometimes you, you need to do that is because you're a philanthropist, you, you want to help people, but... If you did that all day long, you, you, you probably don't have enough money to keep the doors open, right? And pay people, right? When people are working for you, I always look at it, you're also responsible for their lives as well, right? So if the business suffers, you're going to suffer as well, right? Everyone around you suffers. But at the same time, you need a team is, is really important. Uh, for me to... To get to where I'm at, I, I had to have a team. I couldn't do it all myself. In fact, you know, I worked on the business more than I worked in the business, you know, after a while, right? And that's important because if you only can grow so much if you're always in it. But if you're working on it, but you have, you have to find a good team to be in there. I'm talking about a team that's willing to, to go to war for you, right? Not a yeah. clock in, clock out kind of guy, right? Mm -hmm. Because when it hits five o'clock, they said, I'm out. But you're not yeah. done your work. I'm out, right? Yeah. Uh, versus, you know what? I'm going to stay. You know, I want the company to do well. I deserve to get paid if, I, if the company does well. That's fantastic. I gladly pay for someone who has that mentality versus I'm going to clock out, clock out kind of person. You're asking me to pick up the garbage. That's not really my hat to do that. I was a CEO and I picked up the garbage. What, what's wrong with that, right? So you also need to lead by example. You know, I, I learned earlier on that positional leadership doesn't necessarily go a long way. I'm telling you to do it because that's why you should do it. You should do it because you want to do it. 
right? And so mm-hmm. sometimes you do have to pull that position card and say, you know what, you just got to do it, right? Yeah. Uh, this is something I need you to do. But how much easier is it if your team is, you know, a self-starter? Oh my goodness, I'm going to get the work done. I'm done. Is there anything else you want me to do? That reflects on leadership, right? And so I, I think those are key principles of running any business. You have to have a good team. You have to have good leadership, right? And the team has to have a willingness philosophically to do, you know, what it takes to help the business grow. Because, you know, I, I think people grow in, in two ways. One is, maybe, you know, the easy one is I'm motivated by money, right? Bonuses and commissions, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. Yeah. right? That's yeah. natural. Which but the other real. one also yeah. is self-motivation where you have a moral ethic code to yourself. I have a duty to do work, right? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people go through life where they take a job, they may get decent pay even, but they don't enjoy it, right? And is that fulfilling? Eh, for some people say, you know what, I'm getting paid, it's okay. Or some yeah. people say, maybe it's a job. But wouldn't you want a job that go, man, I love it. I love what I do every single day. I may not pay the, make the big bucks, obviously it's a bonus if you're doing well. But, you know, I think that will go a long way in satisfaction to your own life if you stick to the, some of those principles, you know? Oh, my goodness. That was crazy amount of information. And some of the things that I took out of that was, first, again, and the key points, these are seem to come up time and time again with every guest that I have is, look, first, you really got to know how to market your business. If you don't, if you don't know how to bring people in, you're doing yourself a disservice. And like Dr. Huey said, you're doing a disservice to the people that are on your team or that are working with you and for you because their livelihood also is impacted by how you are running the business. So focusing on return on investment, not saying that you have to be driven by money, but you have to at least be aware of it. The other thing that you mentioned was just leverage making sure that you have the right people on your team and that they're on the right seats on the bus. So if they're the money person, that that's what they're focusing on. If they're great at interacting with clients, that's what they're focusing on. But making sure that everyone is in their right seats on the bus. And then in terms of leadership, like so spot on, like I don't know any successful leader at least nowadays, I mean, business has changed so drastically, but nowadays it's like the leader leads by example, like you were saying. And so if they're not willing to do it, it's very difficult to tell other people to do it. Some people will do it because they are driven by money, but that can only last so long. But as a leader, you have to lead by example. You have to show that servant leadership pulling from the front just no longer works. And so you really have to show the people that are working with you that you are requiring of them what you would do yourself. So, oh my goodness, so much good stuff. And I know you have to get on another call and I wish we had way more time to continue this on, but uh, I wanted to maybe touch on two or three other things. One, I know that when you joined iMac, you guys, were then IPO'd. How was that feeling being there at the NASDAQ for that moment? I would imagine that had to have been an amazing moment in your life. 
Yeah, you know what? It was quite an experience. You know, it, not a lot of people get to be part of an IPO where you're there for the ringing of the bell, right? And so yeah. I would say it's, it's a great moment, but um, what are you going to do with that moment in terms of the futures, right? You can go IPO and do nothing with it, and it's not very fulfilling, right? So that moment is a reset for us to say, you know what? We're, we're on NASDAQ. You know, why did we go the public way is because one of the things is that to make a difference, to have a footprint in America or the world, you have to be known to the public. We're a small company. We're trying to show the world there's another way in healthcare that, you know, hopefully one day can be the gold standard of healthcare, at least 50% of it, at least, right? Uh, even Mayo Clinic came out with their own statements that say regenerative medicine will be the future of medicine, right? Because they are finding, you know, causes and quote unquote cures and, and things for using regenerative medicine, using stem cells or platelet therapies. And that's what we're trying to show the world, right? And, you know, a little bit, it does go against the grain because they're saying, what do you mean there's something that can help Parkinson's disease, for example, right? And it's, and what if, what if there's things that can come and help heart disease, which is the number one, you know, killer in the United States today still. So that's what keeps us on the bus, right? Keeps us staying on the bus. And we, I don't want to get off the bus because it drives me, right? You may even not make that much money doing it, but at the end of the day, it's still driving me to move forward and, and figure it out. And I always believe in exchange, you know, what's your product and are you giving a good product in exchange for your services? So if someone, you know, comes in and, and pays for a service, they expect to be, you know, get something in return for that service, right? Even if it doesn't work, right? So I always believe in exchange and abundance, and that comes back down to customer service again, right? Yeah. I, I think that, uh, that that's key because I think that's a little bit of a lost thing in today's world, right? It's it's about numbers, it's about volume, it's about monies, and the customer service satisfaction sort of sometimes goes out the window. And I think that's that's key in, even in in healthcare, right? Uh, would you rather have someone that walks you walk in through the door, hey, young, it's great to see you, versus hey, just sign there? There's uh -huh. a big difference in customer there service. Is. Oh my gosh. Yeah, no. And that's how we try to run our business. I know that's how you run your business. And that's how we've had a certain level of success is from that philosophy. And so that was incredible. Oh man, there's so many things to touch on. And I know, like we said, you have to go. We didn't even get to touch on your book, Reversing Diabetes, Why Conventional Medicine Has It All Wrong. We're going to have to probably have you on again, just so that we could talk about that. We can certainly um, do a part two of this. Yes, man, I would love it because this has been just chocked full of information and something that our listeners will probably, I would recommend listening to two or three times because there's so many great nuggets just on how to view business, grow a business. And Dr. Huey has done it from beginning to end and he's given you the blueprint on how to do it and compress your time in doing it. Another thing is, and like I said, we'll try to run through it quickly, but I mentioned in the beginning that not only are you an incredibly successful physician and business person, but you also have a family and you have four children like myself. 
You're also an avid and amazing tennis player. How do you? How do you prioritize and balance all of those things, or is that even a possibility to do so? You know, uh, I think I've grown to learn to uh, have priorities. Uh, earlier on, you know, I was so career driven. You know, it's easier when you just, you know, not easier, but, you know, no kids and just a wife, right? And it's, you know, I have one person to satisfy per se, right? As you add more and more kids, you have to have that balance. My my wife may say something different, but at the end of the day, I, I uh, you have to find that balance, you know, because you, you need the time to spend with your wife and kids. And when you look at it, what's sometimes sit back and see what's really important to you, Right. It could be spiritual. It could be family. It could be, you know, money could be your God, right? But for me, uh, money is not my God. And so, and that's part of the reason I, I backed off and say, you know what? I love what I do. I want to keep on doing it, but on a different season of my life, right? There's no reason for people ask me all the time, why, why do you want to retire? Why do I want to retire? I want to keep on going to, I mean, you know, until the mind stops working for me, right? I want to work, but I had to find that balance between work life, family life, and then, of course, you know, trying to fit in a, a tennis game here and there as well to, yeah. to keep the exercise going, to keep the body going. But uh, I would say I've been blessed with successes. A lot of it is it was trial and error at the beginning until you figure it out. And you sort of realize where um, all the things I've mentioned on this show so far ha- has brought me to where I am today. Do I have anywhere near a, a perfect life or business or family? Absolutely not. I struggle every day and I'm humbled by that every day, right? It doesn't matter how much money you have in your bank account. Is is life fulfilling for you um, is really what it comes down to. And if it's not fulfilling and you hate your life, what, one of my good friends who's making seven figures every single year, he hates his life. He went through a divorce, but you know what? He wasn't happy. You know, it, it really comes down to what makes you happy at the end of the day, right? Whatever that is. Yeah, Yeah. no, that that was such a great answer. Because yeah, success is in the eye of the beholder. But for most of the successful people that I know and that I interact with, it is about having that balance. It is not just about making as much money as possible, but having those impactful relationships, giving back, having a good spiritual relationship, like having a well-rounded life versus just being good in one aspect of life is so crucial and important. And it's been such an encouragement to me seeing you over the years prioritize these things and maybe make some difficult decisions based upon what the world might think, but that you're making them with the lens of, is this best for my life in this season and not listening to the noise outside? And of course it's worked out well for you and we, we wish you continued success. Uh, I know you got to get going. Uh, what's one thing maybe that people don't know about you? Like uh, that people would be like, Oh, that's crazy. We would have never thought that or such. You know what? Uh, whenever I tell uh, this story, people say, what? Um, so, and this is a little bit of a, you know, a skeleton in my closet where, 
uh, call it a complex, what have you, and I'm going to get a little personal with everyone on this call here, is uh, I always look at myself as uh, being overweight. When I was young, I was a pretty heavy set, ate a lot, didn't do much, you know, and coming from a, you know, a, a Chinese family, they would call you names that I'd rather not say. And so in time, that's sort of, you know, and I think that's part of where I, as a father, I'm trying to mentor my kids. You know, one day they hopefully they'll grow up to be, have a, a strong mind, a kind mind, full of grace. And I think it affected me where, you know, so that's why I'm into nutrition so much. It doesn't mean I'm the most fit guy at all, but you know, it's, it's given me a little bit of a complex, right. In terms of, you know, I think I'm always overweight. Right. And so uh, I know it's sensitive to a lot of people out there and you go, what, you know, they may look at you, what are you talking about? But it, it's, it's I the beholder. Right. And so mm -hmm. that's something probably a lot of people don't know about me, but it is a sort of a fun fact. You know, you can, poke at me and jab at me for it, but uh, it's still with me. I, I can't get rid of it. <laughs> yeah. It's like an no, inner I, I can't get rid of. Yeah. And I, looking at you, considering you're like faces like half my size in this uh, video, <laughs> people would be like, what is he talking about? And seeing you run around the courts and such, no one would have ever assumed that. But thank you for sharing that. Uh, I know a lot of people struggle with their self-image and self-talk and like you were saying and like what I'm trying to do with my children. It's so important what you say to yourself, what you feed into your brain, uh, because it is eye of the beholder. It is life is all perspective. If you are happy, even if you have less money, you're content, you're going to be so much happier than somebody who has all this money and just is miserable every day. And it is all just perspective and the eye of the beholder, but you can help program that by positive self-talk, by reading things that are beneficial for you, because we're sometimes our hardest critic. Some of the things that we say in our own head are things we would never say to other people, and yet we constantly berate ourselves. So... Thank you for sharing that. I'm sure that will be very helpful for other people. I know you got to get going. We're way past the deadline, but we wanted to thank you for being on. Thank you for sharing all of these incredible nuggets. And hopefully we'll have you back on so that we can talk about the book and some of the other things that I know that you're doing. But please, guys, if you guys found value in this, share, like, subscribe. There's got to be people out there that you know that will find value in this episode. And it helps us out. And please, if you could leave a comment for Dr. Huey for investing his time and sharing a lot of the wisdom that he's accumulated over all these years, please, we would really appreciate it. And thank you so much for tuning in again this week. We will catch you guys next week on the Chicago Business Review. For Dr. Jason Huey, this is Young Lee, and we are signing off. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today. I truly respect your time, so I hope this was valuable to you. And if you're a new listener, then thank you for checking out the show. And don't forget, you can find all the resources, links, and show notes on our Facebook group, Chicago Business Review. Just go to Facebook and search Chicago Business Review 
so that you can find out all the latest info on future podcasts, get all the show notes, and network with other highly successful and driven entrepreneurs and professionals in Chicago. Also, be sure to contact me while you're over there and share any feedback, questions, or guest recommendations you have as well. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.